Hi everybody, my name is Nick Beard. I'm the audiovisual director here at Peninsula Covenant Church, or PCC. Welcome to our message podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Morning, church. Good to see you. Good to see you. Good to be with you. Uh, you know, with um, starting PCC Hudson, uh, we're all over the place, so I don't get to be here as often as I'd like, but I sure love it when I get to be with you. Uh, how's your day going? Yeah, good. It's going to get better uh, because we're going to have a great time today. We're talking about eternity and our life and perspective of eternity. As you see this, I'd like you to think of this tape as your life. This is your birth date. That's your death date, and that's eternity. This is time before you existed, and it goes on forever. Okay, so just let yourself ruminate in that. And I want to encourage you, next week we start our Christmas series. Ho, ho, ho. Um, I'm excited about a Christmas hope. We're going to kind of travel all over. Next week we'll talk about being challenged in Galilee. Then we're going to talk about being bewildered in Nazareth, unaware in Rome, and busy in Bethlehem. We're going to talk about things that get in the way of the Christmas hope. Can't wait. We've got a great devotion to pair the series with. It's called, Oh Come Let Us Adore Him, by a man who's become my favorite author. I've given away more of his books than any other book in my life, called Paul David Tripp, and it's a Christmas devotion every day. If you have kids, there's questions in it for your kids. I'm going through it right now. I read December 15th today. I was blown away by what uh, Tripp said and how he led me to the word. These are for sale for 15 bucks. You can go to Amazon, get it yourself, put it on your Kindle, or they're back there for 15 bucks. It's self-pay. It's an honor system. If you can't pay for it, put it on Ben's account. He'll cover all your books. <laughs> Uh, These are great. Who'd like one? I want to give one away. Who would read this? Great. God bless you. So glad that DeForest get that. So be encouraged by that. Gary's in a good mood. Who wants books today? Let's pray. Father, come to your word. Thank you. We thank you for the choir. We thank you for the brass, the guitar, the, the strings, the organ. All of it is to bring glory to you. All of it is to change our lives in light of this timeline. So guide us, please. Guide us as we dig into your word. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Amen. Grab your message notes. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. There's a pew Bible in front of you if you don't didn't bring one. Um, There's one on the phone. We have you version. All our message notes are online. Let me ask you a question. What are the two most important days of your life. Just think about that. Do a life audit. Think in the future. What's the two most important days of your life? Really, the answer to that depends on your perspective, right? That's what Jesus, in asking this question, is going to do. Broaden our perspective and give hope to all of us. In light of the timeline of eternity, I would submit to you, your two most important days are, in light of this, today, because we have no guarantee of tomorrow, the past is in the past, the Apostle Paul said, I forget what lies behind, I'm looking forward to what lies ahead, and today, I'm pressing on. So today is one of the two most important days of your life, and Where's this dot? That day. That day when you die 
and face Jesus. I ask myself a question every morning. I've got a bunch of declaration statements. They're actually on the back of my binder here, and they're on my, um, my iPad. I ask myself, in light of that day, how will I wish I lived today? In light of, in my younger years, I could jump and reach that rope. In light of this point in eternity, whatever, a million years into eternity, when I look back on November 19th, 2017, what will I wish I've done? How will I wish I valued and, and stewarded my life, directed my finances, loved people? I certainly will have no regrets that we spent this time, this hour together worshiping God. But through the rest of my day and interactions with people, on that day, I don't wanna live with regrets. I wanna look back from that day's perspective on today and say I lived well. And Jesus wants that for us as well. I read a book this last year, a marriage book, called You and Me Forever. It's actually a discipleship book cloaked as a marriage book, written by a guy named Francis Chan. Has anyone ever heard of Francis Chan? Here's how the book opens. Even now, he says, I'm, making, I'm working to make sure that my family is set up for the future. When most people make that statement, they're talking about financial security for their last few years on earth. But when I say it, I'm referring to the millions of, millions of years that come after that. People accuse me of going overboard in preparing my first 10 million years of heaven. In my opinion, I think people go overboard worrying about their last 10 years on earth. Perspective, right? Jesus came to the earth and asked 300 questions while he walked the earth. At least that's what we have recorded. And each one was to shape our tape to prepare us to live well in eternity in a way that we don't have regrets. Because I find in my life, honestly, and I'm a paid Christian, okay? I'm paid to read the Bible, right? I'm paid to pray. I find in my life, I can have eternity amnesia. I can be so consumed with the tape, I miss the line. And I think the tape is all there is. But Jesus invites us. He came from this perspective, right? And he invites us to live into a greater story and to surrender our tape, our small stories, to the greater story and follow him and live significantly. That's the grace that Jesus wants to give each one of us. Whether you're 50, 60, 70, 80, 40, uh, 12, we have them all here. Jesus invites you into a grander story of significance along the line. Amen? So to unleash that life, we have to quickly look at the story of Peter. We're going to look at his biggest mistake. And then we're going to look at Jesus' question, which followed that, okay? So are you in Matthew 16? This will be really good. Peter's misunderstanding. Let's start in verse 21, okay? From that time on, and when you're reading your Bible, you read something like that, we, we're jumping into something, right? We're in the middle of something. So that's a trigger to go from what time on and to read back. We don't have the time to do that. One day our services will be four hours long and I'll teach for three hours. But uh, that's in, that'll be on the, on the line, okay? Um, then we'll have Jesus himself teach. You get better. Pastor Jesus. Amen. But from that time on, we'll look back a little bit. Jesus began to explain to his disciples, he must, circle that word, he'll use it three times. He must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, the teachers of the law. And that he, what's the next word? 
Here he goes again. Be killed on the third day, raised to life. <laughs> Peter took him aside. Here's his biggest mistake. Never, Lord, he said. That should never happen to you. Why does he say this? Um, we don't have time really to get into the depth of that, but Peter's consumed with the tape. In his mind, and, and we can't dog him for this, he only had in mind a political Messiah. He read through his whole Old Testament and, and believed in a political Messiah, not a suffering one. And he said, there's no way. There's no way you could suffer because tape-consumed people are completely preoccupied with our comfort. That's life, right? That's just part of life. I am too, right? I, I you know, that's why I ordered extra padding when we repued all these pews. I want comfort. That's why we have a temperature control in here. I'm not saying it's that bad. But it's a detriment because, and you guys know this, sometimes suffering maximizes eternity. So Jesus is saying, Peter, you don't get it. I have to suffer in the tape to create a line for every human being that comes to me through faith. Now look at verse 23. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, what? Satan. You're a stumbling block, literally in the Greek. You're a scandalon. This is scandalous. Uh, the, the word stumbling block in Jesus' day was a word for an animal trap that caught and stopped the forward progress and ultimately killed an animal. Jesus is saying, you're trying to trap me. You don't have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. That is the mission statement of every tape-obsessed person. I'm all about merely human concerns or I prioritize human concerns over God concerns. We all live in that tension. I live in that tension. I'm not judging. I'm not pointing a finger. I am humbly coming to you and saying, this is hard. I get it. But Jesus is saying this to Peter, right? It's interesting to see nowhere, anywhere, in all the accounts of Jesus' life, does he ever say anything? Have I just been forceful enough? This extreme or terrible to anybody. Uh, I, does anyone else have conflict in their homes? Yeah, yeah, me too. I had conflict yesterday with my wife. wasn't major. But you know what? In our conflict, she's never called me Satan. I have never called her Satan. This is huge, everybody. We can hear that often enough and just read over it, but Jesus is doing something here that's really important. So look at that, and let's just explain this for a second, then we'll, we'll dive into our question. But from that time on, what time? If you read back in Matthew 16, 13 to 20, uh, this is a time after Peter confessed Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. It was our first question in the series, Questions Jesus Asked. Jesus had never complimented anybody so highly as he did in that first story, 13 to 20. And seconds later, Jesus is saying the most extreme thing he's ever said to anybody in his life. And if you read in the story, he said it in front of all the disciples. Now we know Jesus loves Peter. Jesus would never 
want to shame Peter. There's no condemnation when we follow Jesus. What is going on here? Jesus is saying to Peter, I've heard that voice before. Right after I was baptized and heaven opened up and the father said, this is my beloved son. I went into a desert and I went face to face with Satan and he put before me another scandal on, another stumbling block saying to me, you don't have to go to the cross. I'll give it all to you without the cross. He tempted me with tape living. It's all about your life. It's all about your comfort. Are you sure that you're the son of God? Why are you hungry? Let's make these stones bread. Are you sure God would save you on the cross? Jump off the building, let's see. I've heard that voice before. He wasn't calling Peter Satan. Satan was using Peter's words to tempt Jesus all over again. You guys get that? Even Jesus was tempted, tempted with tape living his whole life. Tape-focused living leads us to create God in our own image, everybody, instead of following God as he truly is on the amazing, significant, painful sometimes adventure called eternal life. And that's what's going on here. So that's Peter's misunderstanding. Then that raises Jesus' question. Verse 24, you there? Verse 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must, there's a word again, third time, deny themselves. In other words, you must dethrone yourself. In other words, Gary Gadini, if you want to be my apprentice, you've got to stop being the CEO of your life. I call the shots from now on. You may not like that, but I guarantee if you let me call the shots at this point in eternity, you'll have no regrets for what you did on the tape. And on the tape, you'll have no regrets either. Because my plan for your life might be more painful, it's definitely more scary, and it's more abundant than you ever dreamed possible if you were the CEO of your life. And that, my friends, is where faith comes in. When we make a decision, a point in time, I did it on October 31st, 1982. Jesus, I no longer want to be the CEO of my life. All I have to offer you is 18 years of sin and terrible decisions and relational destruction all around, including to my own body and my own psyche. I offer you myself, you be the CEO, a one-time decision, and then a daily decision to reaffirm you're still the CEO. You're still the CEO. You're still the CEO throughout my life. Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple must continually deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life will save it. Circle the word life, life, twice. Now look at verse 26. What good would it be, here comes the question, to gain the whole world, to have everything you, the world offers you, he's using hyperbole here, on the tape. I don't know what that would be for us. I, for thrills I, and just entertainment, frankly. I read the Neiman Marcus Christmas catalog. Have you ever seen that? <laughs> Christmas gifts that are outlandish. For millions of dollars, it's, it's absurd. Jesus says, you can have it all. What, what good would it be for you to get all that 
and forfeit your soul in eternity? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their what? Circle the word soul twice. Life twice. Soul twice. Everybody? In Aramaic, when Jesus spoke it, in Greek, when it was written, same word. It's the word psyche. Psyche. Sound familiar? Psychological? It's your truest self. And the translators put two different words because it's so hard to translate and capture it in the English. But your truest self. Is our culture not consumed with this? Is this why there's not uh, more than a million titles on Amazon.com right now with the word self? A million books selling with the word self. We have a selfie culture. Self-improvement, self-help is a $10 billion a year industry. Our culture is consumed with the self. Everyone, please. And so is Jesus. He cares about your truest self. The difference, he doesn't just, he does care about the tape and who you are. He cares about your truest self from the perspective of eternity. That $10 billion a year industry, and I'm not dogging it, there's parts of it that I uh, read and renew my mind with, but I do so critically because it's all about the tape. But the tape, in the context of eternity, Jesus says, I care about your true self. I do. I care about your psyche, your soul, your life. But I care that $20 million years, 30 million years of life after you die, you're not living with regret. What an amazing Savior. So he says, okay, in light of that, I must do something. Remember that word must? 21 to 23, I must go to the cross. I must die. I must suffer. And in light of that, he says, you must do something too. I am dignifying you. I will do the heavy lifting, but I give you responsibility as well. You must come to me in faith initially. And then as we're walking along, you must surrender day by day to me. Can you hand me my journal, Ben? Thank you, bro. Can we just thank Ben right now? What a great guy. I love Ben. Love you, girl. I love you too, Angie. Can we just take a moment? I'll just say I love everybody. <laughs> I'm in a season of journaling right now, and I go in and out of that. Jesus never journaled, but uh, I, I like to journal, so um, I do. Uh, and, and this is what I wrote on October 19th, uh, 2017, from my devotion. This is an original to me. I must do something. Jesus must do something. It's about what we do. Listen to this. This is what my devotional said. You must choose to grow. I don't know how to say it any clearer than this. You're as close to Jesus Christ as you've chosen to be. You're as close to God as you've chosen to be. Don't blame your wife. Don't blame your husband. Don't blame your kids. Don't blame your parents. You're as close to God as you've chosen to be. If you choose to be a spiritual baby your entire life and one day stand before God and say, yeah, I never grew up, just be man enough to admit it. I'm going to develop my golf game. I'm going to make a lot of money, but I'm going to be a spiritual baby throughout my whole life. It's a dumb choice, but God gives you that choice. 
Jesus is saying, I must do something. I will go to the cross. I'll make available to you all of heaven's storehouses. All authority has been given to me. There's new morning mercies every day. There's power every day. There's grace every day. You'll never replenish men, but you must choose to access it. You must reprioritize your life in light of the line, not just the tape. And don't blame me, Jesus says, when you get to the line and go, I just never grew up. I dignified you by giving you that choice. You chose other things. Hang with me. Can I have everyone's attention? It's never too late to choose to become the woman or man God called you to be. Paul said, forgetting what lies behind, looking forward to what lies ahead, I'm gonna press on. And maybe today is the day you make that choice. Your choice to come to Jesus, or you make the choice, Jesus, I'm gonna leverage your grace and I'm gonna grow. How do we do that? Well, it breaks up into micro choices in verse 24 to 27. Let's look at them quickly. Uh, verse 25, Jesus says, and this is, we're at page two of our notes, how to do this. Can I just tell you, I want this for me and I want this for you so badly. <clears throat> I love that many of you have made the hard choices. You are the heroes, many of you in my eyes, for the way you've leveraged pain and loss and disease and unthinkable things and you've pushed through by the grace of God and you have a godliness that I long for when I become your age. Thank you. For others, can I just tell you that uh, this is available for all of us. Here's the first thing, get over your selfie. Get over your selfie. Jesus said, whoever wants to save their life, you're gonna lose it. Whoever wants to lose their life, you're gonna find it. I know this isn't easy, it's counterintuitive. The whole Christian life is counterintuitive, right? To gain, you lose. To really acquire, you give up. That's what Jesus is saying. I tend to hold on to the things that I care about the most. I love holding my wife's hand. We went for a walk on the dish as a family. My daughters are starting to come home for Thanksgiving. Held my daughter's hands, even my adult daughters, the whole time. Just went from one hand to another, to another, to another. We hold on to the things. I, I, I check all the time, checking for my wallet, checking for my cell phone. It matters to me, right? Uh, when I get up early in the morning, I'm the first one up, I go into every girl's room and check on them. I put their covers on them, even my adult girls, because I value them. But Jesus says, and you know what? In my economy, losing is the new gaining. You want to gain, lose. When I was in college, I followed a guy named Jim Elliott. Have you heard that name? Um, he was a, a Wheaton College student. Uh, in the 50s, felt a call to ministry, to a pioneer ministry, to uh, South America, Ecuador actually, uh, to an Alca Indians. No one had ever reached them with the gospel. When he was journaling in college, he had this quote that I still haven't gotten over, and it's in your notes. He said, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Look, I know my smartphone won't be with me at this point in the line. Why do I spend so much time on it at the expense of other things that matter? 
Uh, I like fitness. I care about fitness. I know whether or not I'm running an eight minute mile or a 10 minute mile at this point in my life isn't gonna make much of a difference here. If I'm so consumed with that, it's at the expense of things that are eternal. Jesus is saying the first thing if you wanna maximize your life, get over your selfie. I'll leave this service in, a, in throughout when this is almost over and head down to uh, PCC Hudson where a community is lamenting. They gave up the security of this campus and are meeting in a grammar school, uh, multiple use room, because they want to see the kingdom grow. They get that, right? You get that. You've done that throughout your life. You've given up stuff. So what are we willing to lose to maximize our life over here? Are we willing to lose our reputation in inviting people to join us at a Sunday gathering or on Christmas Eve where we're completely giving a gift to the community and you'll have invitations? Are you willing to put your reputation on the line and say, would you join me on Christmas Eve? Are you willing to lose 30 minutes, 60 minutes of sleep so you can spend time with Jesus in prayer walk or prayer walk? How about a day of eating so you could be fasting and praying for our city? and for the things that, uh, that are broken in our city. Or investing your career, your trades, whatever it is, accounting or, or whatever you have, to volunteer and advocate for the less fortunate in our city. Are you willing to lose an hour a week while Angie's here to read with a student who's at a below level reading level, like 50% of our grammar school kids are? What are you willing to lose and give up so you can really live. Then Jesus says, change your scorecard. Change your scorecard. Most of us think of the win, like how do you know if you won in life, right? Most of us look at the tape only to determine our win. Well, it depends, you know, do I have my last 10 years planned out for me? And Jesus says, you should take care of your last 10 years. Am I giving a good whatever away? What kind of house do I live in? What kind of relationships do I have? What's my LinkedIn profile like? How many likes do I get with my posts on Facebook? Are those your wins? Jesus says, you know what, look, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and forfeit your truest self? Or what can you give in exchange for yourself? I understand the tension between the tape and eternity. But could it be as we pursue these things that are so alluring on the tape, we're forfeiting significance on the line? I'm not saying you are. I'm not your Holy Spirit. I'm raising the question for myself and for you. And then Jesus says, pursue your Lord. I love this. Just two words. Follow me. I've told you, I wake up grumpy every morning. It's just how I am. In the dark, uh, lies are playing through my mind. Uh, in some ways, I I'm using a joke here, but I wake up an atheist in the morning. I hit my smartphone and worship music comes on, and the worship music takes my soul and my hand, gets me out of bed, and my feelings aren't there. It's just obedience at that point, and sits me down. I open my word. And God just ministers to me. And I'm not saying that because I'm a bit more spiritual than any of you. I'm not. 
I'm telling you, like what happens in that time is Jesus emerges from the scriptures. We confess, I confess my sin to him. I go through my day with him. I dig into the word. And right before I close my journal, Jesus says, hey, Gary, I've got an amazing day for us. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what I've got in store for you in light of eternity for your one day on the tape. Today matters. You have no guarantee of tomorrow. So Gary, follow me. I'm a different man. I'm a different husband. I'm a different dad. I'm a different pastor from when I woke up. There is nothing that gives me more of a sense of adventure and significance than hearing Jesus say, follow me. I'm like a kid again every day in light of some tough circumstances. Honestly, the circumstances around the Gadini's lives right now are harder than they've ever been in our life. More lives are imploding around us in our family, our family and more challenges around us, disease, other stuff. But I leave every morning and Jesus goes, follow me. That doesn't matter. I'll even use that for my glory over here. Do you know Billy Graham turned 99 this year? They released a video at his 99th birthday of kind of him looking back. He's closer to heaven, obviously, than he is to earth. Most of us are right now. And he's just shot a video in light of that. Here's what it means to follow Jesus. Watch this. For many years, I've had the privilege of being Mr. Graham's close friend and personal pastor. And so one can imagine the wonderful conversations that we've had together over these years. It's been such a joy to be blessed by him and to learn from him and to hear the things that God has placed in his heart. Jesus Christ. I've been praying that we might have a spiritual awakening, but I think that becomes possible only as individuals surrender their lives afresh and anew to Christ and live the Christian life wherever you are. First, we do everything we can to follow in the steps of Jesus. We're to live a life in which we love one another, we help one another, we live according to what Jesus lived. The Holy Spirit is the one that helps us live that new lifestyle, which is one of love, gentleness, and patience, and all of these things that are the fruit of the Spirit. must remember that we communicate the gospel by our lives as well as our lips. We live before a watching world, a world that is waiting to see if what we say is lived out in our lives. We must be living in the power of the Spirit. We must be men and women who are pure vessels for God's message. Secondly, you read his word every day, the Bible. I know it's very difficult, but you need to start somewhere. And I'd suggest you start with the Gospel of Luke and the New Testament. 
And in the Old Testament, start with the very first verse, in the beginning God, and study those passages. Make the Bible your source and your authority. Quote it frequently. Let its message be your message. Study it, meditate upon it, memorize it, trust its promises. The Word of God itself has power. And the third thing, go to your knees and pray until you and God have become intimate friends. I cannot describe to you the joy and the peace that He gives to you as a result of that daily routine that you have in prayer. Is there a lack of power in your life? Perhaps you have neglected the preparation of your life. We've neglected prayer. We've neglected God's word in the feeding of our own souls. Whatever it is, confess it, forsake it, repent of it, and then walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and gain victory over it. And may God today lift our vision and may the power of the gospel break upon our world with fresh force as we are obedient to Christ's call to repent and believe the gospel. Repent and believe the gospel. Hallelujah. tear up every time. I've watched that for a week. I tear up every time. It's not rocket science. It's the simple things. It's the adventure of following God and releasing control. It's the tension you'll live in your whole life, but you and I will never, never regret it. I got to close this and we're going to wrap it up in prayer. But as I wrap it up, page three, you see the questions there. They shape your tape. All these questions we've gone through, they shape your tape so that you can live a life of eternal significance. Let's pray. If you're a follower of Christ, can I encourage you just to confess to God your tape-focused living? I don't know what that looks like for you. Ask God to fill you with an eternal perspective, to confess your myopic vision, cradle to grave. Ask him, he'll do this, He's a good God to give you the perspective and power to see beyond the here and now and the pain, the loss, the thrill, to put it in the context of eternity. Maybe you're not yet Christian and welcome. You might be asking, I guess I'm going to decide whether or not I identify as a Christian. But before I do, I need to see whether following Jesus will give me peace and protection, prosperity, if it's going to help me acquire my dreams. This morning, I believe Jesus looks at you and says, you, your dreams? I've got something so much better than your dreams. I'm going to give you myself. I'm going to take you way beyond your dreams to a life of true value, eternal significance. And in giving you myself, you'll find yourself. I wonder if you've ever given yourself to Jesus. Today might be your day. You can make this prayer your prayer. God, I surrender myself to you. 
I've made a mess of my life. I've lived in rebellion towards you. You be the CEO. This scares me, but you call the shots. In light of the line, I want to live significantly for eternity. So Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Take my life. Make it significant. Every day I want to follow you from this day forward. Jesus, that's the hope of our city, hope of our world. May it drive us every day as your followers. Thank you for this body. We love you and thank you. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Peninsula Covenant Church podcast. We believe you're here for a reason, and we would love to connect with you more. Our campuses are located in Redwood City, California. You can find us online at wearepcc.com and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for We Are PCC. Our Christmas Eve services are coming up, and we would love to see you there. We have a 10 a.m. traditional service, and our contemporary services are 4, 6, and 8 p.m. All campuses will be meeting at our Farm Hill campus for Christmas Eve, so we can all celebrate the birth of Christ together. Thanks again for joining us. Have a great week.